that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and Drew Gillis. This is your Tuesday Buckeye Talk, and we're still talking quarterbacks. The Monday pod slash Sunday pod, just because that's when it happened on Sunday, was Julian Sand, five-star quarterback, the top quarterback in the 2024 class, who originally signed with Alabama, early enrolled at Alabama, spent like 14 days max at Alabama, hopped in the transfer portal as part of the mass exodus from Alabama's program following the retirement of Nick Saban, and he ended up at Ohio State, that gives Ohio State five quarterbacks. Uh, that's the latest in a lot of news that has been happening around the Buckeyes lately. Get the text, 614-350-3315, because that's all that news continues to come out. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's more out there that'll be happening. Well, no, we're sure there's more that's going to be happening because there's still a 10th member of the defensive co- of the offense, of the coaching staff in general that needs to be announced. But when all that information comes out, the first place it goes is to your phones. Two-week free trial, 399, that's 614-350-3315. We spent a lot of time, Nathan and Andrew, on that Monday pod talking about this from the perspective of almost like the future in terms of what this means with bringing Julian Sand in and already having Aaron Nolan as a five-star freshman and what that could mean for the future. We didn't spend too much time talking about what this does for the room in the spring of 2024 where you've got five quarterbacks who have a combined one start as Ohio State Buckeyes, and that one start led to like 12 snaps for Devin Brown in the Cotton Bowl before he got hurt and Lincoln Keenholz finished out that game. Nathan, there's just – there's a lot that needs to be figured out, right? And it's – maybe we'll start with this. you got five guys in the room, and in the spirit of Market Down Monday, if we're in there for the first practice of spring practice, and I asked you right now to – predict the order in which the quarterbacks are going through drills because that does matter that typically tells us what like the hierarchy is in the room at least on that day what would you have to guess it it would be between will howard lincoln keenholz and devin brown if we're just assuming that aaron and julian are just going to be fourth and fifth in whatever order you want to put them in it's a good question because i think we've seen in the past similar situations where ryan day has deferred to seniority so mm-hmm. I could see Devin Brown getting the first rep on, and I'm not even sure that because I don't think it matters. I mean, I, I think it matters from what it tells us about what they're thinking. I don't think it matters as to who's going to perform, like what the starting quarterback will do on opening day as to whether he was first or third or fifth in the, yeah. in the line. So in that regard, I could see them, you know, saying that Devin's been, just do it in terms of seniority like that. Um, and would that mean that, it would be Brown, Keenholz, then Howard and the two freshmen. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to pre- can predict it all the way down, but I do think it's possible that Devin Brown would be first in those rotations, just because the fact that he's sticking around here this long is a big help for Ohio State. Even if he's only here till the end of this spring, and he's made no announcement. The only announcements he ever makes is that he's sticking around and fighting for this job as long as it takes. So I'm not predicting that he would leave at the end of the spring, but if that were to happen, it still makes this room better. And it still makes the quarterback performance that they eventually get this fall better. I think that he's here now. So kudos to him. Um, also we should mention though, his health could be a factor. He would did end the season injured in the cotton bowl. So we'll see what condition he's in for opening day. Maybe he isn't in position to take those reps on opening day. We'll see. 
Andrew, what do you think the order is going to be? I think I would start with Howard, with Will Howard as your your number one. I understand the whole thought process of reward the guy who's sticking around, reward the guy who's been here the longest, reward the guy who started the Cotton Bowl for you and and he got hurt and you know he kind of had a chance taken away from him. I think we talked about that in the postgame pod after the Cotton Bowl where we were all kind of like, man, I, I feel bad for Devin Brown because this was kind of his shot. And I think, you know, you could make that case for, you know what, give it to him, you know, let, let him, you know, get that first rep. But I think we saw over the events of the last couple of days that Ohio State is not afraid to be cutthroat when it comes to their quarterback operation and do what they think is best for the long-term outlook of the team. And that has to be Will Howard, because right now I think we can all agree that we I think we all are going to say that Will Howard is going to take the first snap of the year when Ohio State plays Akron on August 31st. I don't, I don't think we're, any of us are going to disagree with that notion that that's the guy who takes snap one of 2024 for Ohio State. So why would you not? I don't agree with that. I think they don't. run Wildcat on the very first play of the game against Akron. Good. I, uh, there's a quote from Friday Night Lights, the TV show, where the boosters are all like hounding Coach Taylor. And he just finally gives up and he goes, you know what, guys, we're going to revolutionize the offense. We're going to put four running backs back there. And we're going to run a hell of a lot of reverses. That's what I think Ohio State's going to do. Um, no, I, I think what you do is like Will Howard is the guy and he only showed up a couple of weeks ago. Like if he's going to be the guy that you want to play, don't you want him to get the most reps possible? You know, don't you want him to be the guy who is getting those number one reps early because D and then if you think about it, look, if Devin Brown is the guy that you lead with, you're probably going to have to take it and take it away from him at some point, unless Devin Brown plays so well that he's going to usurp Will Howard. So you're going to have to give it to Will Howard at some point. And if you, especially if you think that he's the guy, and I just think that that time should be the first snap of practice because he's the most veteran guy in the room, and I think you can sell it as that. Hey, look, he's a fifth-year guy. He's earned it, and let's see where we go from here. Nathan, you said you don't think it matters? I said I don't think it matters in terms of what the performance will eventually be. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I think it, No, I, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. said it does matter in terms of, as okay. you said, what it tells us about the way that they think um, right now. And I think Andrew is probably right. If I had to, if I had to predict it right now, I would. if I had to put money on it, my money would be on Howard just because I don't think he came here um, without thinking he's going to be the guy. So that's who I guess I would predict. I'm just saying that I think we have seen it before where mm-hmm. they have deferred on things like this, where it's it's so different than if it's the first rep of the preseason camp or, or things mm-hmm. like that. Like it, and it, some of this you also have to be careful about. Like, oh, are we talking about like who's first in line for when they're running doing cows or whatever at the start of practice like i think that, that matters too though a little bit i don't bit, know i but... think because it's typically st- but there's typically starters at the front of the line now that doesn't matter as much as like when to your point if they're doing a drill or in like a competitive period of course but there's typically starters at the front of the lines that's why it and it's all semantics to your point but it's i, I think it matters and i'll get to the point after go ahead and finish your point i'll get to why but, i'm asking that first but but it also like it's rare that we have like this little incumbency for right in any way. Like Devin Brown is the only one with any, well, I mean, Keenholz too has was here last year, but like Brown is the only one with any sort of incumbency as to 
potentially being that starter. It's just so many new faces or such inexperienced faces. I just, that's the other reason why it's like the, the spring is about getting these guys to learn the offense. It's not really about setting up anything, at least not the early weeks of it. This is weird. Devin Brown is the most experienced guy in the program, but I think Lincoln Keenholz probably has played more meaningful snaps at quarterback than Devin Brown. Unfortunately, just because of how things worked out, Lincoln Keenholz has played more about meaningful snaps than anybody else in the room. And so, but also Will Howard's played for meaningful snaps of college football than anybody else. But also you've got two five-star freshmen who might also be awesome. The reason I asked that question is I, I think I agree with you, Nathan, that Devin Brown goes first because it's not, it's not fall camp. It's the spring. And in the spring, you've seen Ohio state lean experienced veterans, giving them that kind of last shot to get it. And then in fall camp is where you see like, Oh, we need to get ready to play a football game in 30 days. Here are our best 22 players. And I think that because there's so little incumbency here, you can take that approach and genuinely give Devin Brown and Will Howard especially every possible opportunity to go and win this job, which also leads into another question. It's just how does this how does the reps look? Because all last year, all last spring, it was, oh, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord are getting equal reps. In 2021, it was like, oh, we're giving C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and Kyle McCord equal reps. But then we got in the practice, and it's like, C.J. Stroud's a starting quarterback, dude. He's taking the reps with the ones all the time. He's always first. It always looks like he's taking more reps. He's clearly the starter. You guys weren't here yet, Nathan. You didn't get here to the summer, of course. And, Andrew, you were not even close to being here yet. But in 2019, it was like, Ryan, can you please just name this dude the starter already? Because Justin's taking literally every single one's rep, and maybe – Chugs or Matthew Baldwin works in every so often, but Justin Fields is only working with the ones. Why are we doing this, Gerard? This one seems just I don't I don't even know how to like envision what the rep distribution is going to be like in a way when you're trying to start the early stages of a battle, but still one of these guys is still trying to learn the system at the same time. Yeah, after all the uh, the consternation people had last year about the the two fields. They're going to have to go, like, we're going to be spread across, like, five practice fields. They're going to be like, all right, we got, like, the three fields, and then, like, you guys just, like, go over to the baseball field. And, uh, like, like uh, no, I, it is – I was thinking about this the other day. Like, you've got five guys. All five of these guys are deserving of a true evaluation of where they are at this point in their career, from two freshmen mm-hmm. all the way up to the guys who are your most likely starters. And – it's going to be kind of crowded. It's going to be a lot of uh, – you You have a limited number of minutes to put towards a practice every day. And that's why I think hiring Bill O'Brien is even more critical because mm-hmm. you can't kind of – what they had with Corey Dennis was someone who I think was very earnest and very ready to go execute what Ryan Day wanted him to do. I think you need more experience with a room that's going to look like this with a group that has five guys who all could be starters someday in college football, kind of like fairly high ceiling starters in in college football. I mean, someone like Lincoln Keenholz, who 10 other Big Ten programs would kill to have, is 
kind of the forgotten man right now in this this room. It's it's a little bit crazy. And by the way, those one of those other Big Ten programs probably will have yeah. the way things are going. And that's nobody's. That's nothing against him. It's what are you going to do? But like that that they're going to have to be a little bit creative. And I think that's why it's important that O'Brien, someone with his background who has done this at the NFL level, let alone the college level, and, and and knows about organizing things, can be left to his own devices a little bit as far as how he organizes things. I think that's an important part of how they get the most out of the spring. It's only 15 practices. And again, it's mostly about like install and fundamentals, but still crucial time, especially because you've got a guy who might be your starter coming in who doesn't know the system, and two, five year, two five-star guys whose development – you want to maximize. And to the, the Corey Dennis, Bill O'Brien point, Corey Dennis has like been the big brother in the room, right? If And I think when you got a room like that, you need a dad. You need like a legit adult. And that's not saying that like Corey Dennis is child. It's just, no, seriously, like they would talk, like CJ Stroud and Com- they would talk about Corey Dennis in this way, where it's, it's a different dynamic when you're dealing with a guy who, Corey Dennis is our age. Andrew, he's not that much older than some of these kids on the team yet. So it's it's a different dynamic, especially when, like, your head coach was also a quarterback's coach. It's just a different dynamic. Now you've got, like, what Larry Johnson is in the defensive line room, where it's more like a father-figure relationship because it's an older, more experienced guy who's been around the block. So I don't mean that to chastise Corey Dennis. It's just yeah. when you got five guys, you got five different egos, five different personalities, five different psyches, five different talents that you're dealing with. You probably can't put that in the hands of a 28-year-old. You probably need to put that in the hands of a 50-year-old who's been doing this for 20-plus years. The thing I want to ask you, um, Andrew, is there's five guys, and there's only 15 practices, and there's only so much – practice is only so long every day. It's two and a half hours. 15 times and really it's 14 because one of those practices is the spring game so it's really it's 14 practices for two and a half hours so whatever 14 times two and a half that's how many hours they get to actually practice football 35 shout out to you Look man the off the cut off brad yeah that was beautiful well, two times 14 is i don't know no no, no 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 just so take it just take the compliment just take Wait, the compliment. 14 just take the compliment yeah all right just take the compliment Thank calculator you. says you're right I had to check. Just take a compliment. The point I'm making here is anyway, he's Ryan Day's not going to name a starter at the end of the spring anyway. More than likely, that's just not been the pattern. So, but because it's so little time and so many mouths to feed and so much information you're trying to get, can Ryan Day and Bill O'Brien and Brian Hartline and Tony Alford and Justin Fry and Keenan Bailey actually learn much of anything? about these quarterbacks in the spring? I think so. Um, I think it helps going in that this is not like a new coaching staff or anything like that, where it's, hi, nice to meet you. Let's throw the ball now. You know, you're, you you have years of knowledge and film. But it is though. Well, with three of these guys, it literally is, hi, nice to meet you. But that's what I'm saying. Let's go throw a ball. That's what I'm saying. Like with Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz, you mm. you have an idea of who they are and where they've progressed, where they still need to get to, how they've go, how they've done from the time that you met them as 16-year-olds to the time that you know them today as we sit here and talk about it. So you have that kind of prior knowledge, which helps. 
And then you've got a fifth year senior who kind of is what he is at this point. And I don't mean that in a good way or a bad way. He just, he, I mean, you've seen him play college football since 2020. You know, this is a guy who, if COVID wasn't a thing, he would be in the NFL right now. Like he's got, he's got some time under his belt in the college level. Uh, and then the freshman, are you worried about not knowing enough about the freshman after 14 practices? I don't know if you are. I think you can learn some things about them, obviously, but the big three of Howard Brown and Keenholz is probably the three that you want to focus on early. And then if Nolan or Sayan show up and it's one of those like, whoa, look at that, then you can start to maybe throw them into that group. But I don't think you're super nervous that you're not going to know everything about Aaron Nolan or you're not going to know everything about Julian Sayan because we weren't expecting them to play anyway. You, you know, we, we weren't expecting them to kind of see a big time role anyway. And unless they show up and immediately assert themselves as somebody who should be in contention for that starting job, it's not going to matter. So really the only guy that you need, in my opinion, to get the full read on is Will Howard. And that's one of the reasons why I think he should be the number one guy when you take the first snap of spring practice, because you've got to know, you know, you, you've got to understand what you got in him because you got five scholarship quarterbacks and I don't like speculating about who's going to transfer when and why. And it's, it's everybody's individual decision, but I think you can kind of map it out and say like one of these guys is not going to be here in at least the season, maybe in a year, like, there's going to be some attrition here and you got to know what you got in Will Howard because you want to know, is Devin Brown better than Will Howard? Is Lincoln Keenholz better than Will Howard? Do we feel better about one of those guys starting? Like you've got to know from those three and then the freshman, it just, it's going to happen as it happens. Nathan, outside of the freshman, because I don't think their spot in the hierarchy matters as much, unless they're first or second and we get in there because then that's a thing. That's like, okay, that's a thing. But with the other three, and I, we say we like to taper this with the, we don't like speculating about guys transferring, but this is the world that we live in, man. People transfer a lot, a lot. So I, I don't, I, I don't think it's we don't we shouldn't have to tiptoe around that anymore. We don't have to be flagrant about it, but we don't have to tiptoe around the fact that there's five people in the in a room where most coaches are hoping to get four, and most of the times they end up with three. So somebody's probably going to leave. Is it safe to assume that between those three, whoever is third in the hierarchy consistently is probably not going to be here after the spring, regardless of which one? Well, maybe this is a Devin Brown, Lincoln Keno thing because Will Howard probably is not going to be third. But between those two, is that like a safe assumption to make? Um, I, yeah, I guess that would be your assumption. But listen, Keenholz is still very early. In this thing, mm-hmm. he didn't get here until the summer, and you saw in the Cotton Bowl where he kind of stands right now. Not that he had a lot of help up front in that game, but for someone like him, does he is he does it, it, timing is important here, and you have to also sort of gauge the opportunity. So, are you going somewhere? Are you? Is there an opportunity at the end of the spring to go somewhere and play right away? Is that what you want? And if you're going to go somewhere and develop and still be a backup, maybe it's better to just keep doing that at Ohio State for another year and then see how things look next spring. So it's 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 hard to see what his 
long-term fit, but I see his short-term fit if you're talking about just from a development standpoint. He you know, didn't use a year of eligibility this past year, so he's still got four years. He's a redshirt freshman. He could stay here for another year and then go somewhere with two years of development in this program and have three years to use somewhere else. Like That's not a bad scenario. That's probably a better scenario than jumping too early. And even if you think you're going to leave, Take your take as long as possible to, to survey the opportunities and, and pick the place that is your your best long term fit. Whether you think that's regional, whether you open yourself up nationally, maybe you look like a better national recruit at this point in your career. They let you usually you know share your practice film and stuff like that. And Ohio State certainly isn't going to stand mm-hmm. in someone like that's way if they want to move. Um, Brown is also just a, it's a tougher. That's why I hesitate on both of these guys because Devin Brown has seemed pretty. You know, he's had opportunities to leave before, or what, yeah. what are perceived opportunities? Perceived opportunities to to prematurely leave, though. I think. I mean, people thought he might leave before you know the the competition with McCord ever happened, and he obviously stuck around and made a, a strong run at that. It got him the start in the Cotton Bowl, and it's not really his fault that that didn't work out. And we can argue about whether he, if he had done better in the Cotton Bowl, whether Will Howard would be here or not. I think he might be here regardless. But would he also leave automatically at the end of the spring? Uh, I don't know because, again, he's looking for a chance to start. And if you come out of the spring and you think that you are still one turned ankle away from being the starter at Ohio State, if you think you're number two, is that better than what you could transfer into this spring? I think there's a chance that the answer is yes, because he's another guy who has three years still, and this will be his third year, but he has three years to use. He could still transfer somewhere at the end of this coming season and have two full years to use as a starter somewhere else. So I don't assume that that both of these guys, or maybe either, will definitely leave at the end of the spring. I know that that's the, the hair trigger reaction, but there's upside reasons why both of those guys could take a, a measured approach and say, the long-term potential is better. And I think Ohio State would, if if we if this plays out the way we think it might, and Devin Brown is clearly at no worse than number two, Ohio State has incentive to try to keep him here for the coming season, rather than turning things over to Lincoln Keyholtz or a true freshman. So the the important thing to note, too, is that you know, you mentioned, if are you going to go somewhere and be a backup? Because it might be better to do that here. It might be better to do that in a place where it's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to be a backup anyway. Like, you know, this school might want me for a year down the line, but I'm going to be a backup anyway. Let's go hunt a ring. You know, let, I'll, I'll play in this offense. You know, I'll, I'll I'll learn from a good coach and Ryan Day. You know, he, he knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, former NFL coach who's coached some pretty good quarterbacks in the past. Bill O'Brien will be here. I got some great receivers to go through. I'll get some good practice film that I can send out later. And I, I think that that's a solid argument because you look around the portal at some of these situations that happen, right? Like some of these guys that go like Cam Ward, you go to Miami and there's kind of an understanding, right? Malik Murphy goes to Duke and there's kind of an understanding. And like Riley Leonard goes to Notre Dame and there's kind of an understanding that, hey, look, those guys are going to be the starter. So if you don't have that, I, I get the reason why you would stay. And not to bring up a I, I know the situations are a little different. Um, and not to bring up like a joke that I know you guys have made on like podcasts for like years prior to this, but like a quarterback that's not as highly rated as, you know, an Aaron Oland or a Julian Sand or a Devin Brown 
kind of like beating a bunch of five stars out. Like that just happened with Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Like it's not inconceivable that a four star can kind of hang on to a job or like somebody that I know Stetson Bennett was not that, but it's not inconceivable that you have to be this five star player and to, to start at Ohio state, you can start Lincoln Keenholds in 2025. All of a sudden he beats Texas and you're like, well, we're not taking him out. And he just kind of hangs on throughout the year. Like that can happen. So there is that narrative and there, you know, it's a tricky game to play because you want to go to a place where you can play. And these guys are wired to think that they're better than everybody else. And not in a selfish way, not in a rude way, not in anything like that. They just think that I can do this. Like, right. That's, that's the way competitiveness drives these guys in any sport. You know, it's more than just football. So you have that, but you also got to think like, you know, what, is this the best opportunity for me? And I think you can make the case that for especially a guy like Lincoln Keenholds, it might be better for him to hang around for a year and then just see where you're at January 22nd as we record this, 2025. So I'm going to bring up a name. And I'm just going to start with Devin Brown first because he's who I'm going to use to make this example. Devin Brown is going to be entering what is going to be his third year at Ohio State. Essentially, he doesn't have any starts. I mean, in the record book he's got a start but look man he didn't play really so he has he's never been the starter here and right now i think at best we all think he's second in the hierarchy at best and that depend and some of that depends on lincoln keenholz is going through his first full off season so what happens there right there's two five stars in the room so what happens there but at best he's second which is exactly where he was a year ago I'm going to bring up Jack Miller here because when Jack Miller went into his first quarterback battle in 2021, well, his only quarterback battle at Ohio State, at best, he was going to be second. But there was a five-star freshman in Kyle McCord coming behind him, and you're probably just wondering, okay, at what point in the spring or what point in the summer, at what point in the fall does Kyle McCord pass him? And it happened. And we know what happened because C.J. Stroud sat out a game and Kyle McCord started and Jack Miller didn't. And Jack Miller was playing garbage minutes in that game. And then Jack Miller entered the transfer portal the, the season after that. And to the point Andrew made of, are you going to go transfer and be a backup somewhere else? Well, Jack Miller transferred to Florida and then Anthony Richardson. Attempted. So I don't think he was expecting that at that time, though. I don't think he was expecting Anthony Richardson to turn himself into a top three NFL draft pick. And then he sat behind Noodle on Brent Mertz. But the reason I'm bringing him up in comparison to Devin Brown is, and now Jack Miller is medically retired, so a lot's happened there. But Jack Miller gave it two springs and two seasons, and it was very clear that he was never going to get to anywhere better than second. And as a matter of fact, because of the other guys in the room, there was a chance he might drop to third or fourth. And I am wondering, Nathan... Just because, and it's just because Devin Brown's the oldest one in the room. He's heading into spring number three, where behind him are a top 200 kid where you feel like there might be a diamond in the rough, but it might take some time. But maybe if he goes through a full offseason, something kicks in. And two five star freshmen, if Devin Brown could find himself in a similar situation of like, okay, at best I'm second because they just brought in this guy from Kansas State who's going to be our starting quarterback. And the development of the guys behind me might have me third or fourth by the time we get to like November of the season. 
And if that's the only reason I'm asking for the Devin Brown perspective of like, would he be better off using this spring, going through what is now going to be his third spring here, seeing where he is, and then taking his shot? Because I'm not, I would assume that somebody would love to have a quarterback from Ohio State who spent three years getting developed by Ryan Day. There might be some teams in the Big Ten, like Washington, who might take him. Yeah, but that's why I said, like, it, it, yeah, my thought being that if he comes out of the spring and you know you're number two coming out of the spring, mm-hmm. this is the same, it's the same conversation we've been having going back to, like, when when Quinn Ewers was coming here and potentially usurping Kyle McCord. And how early does Kyle McCord, you know, people thought he was going to, like, you know, bail out immediately. And right. the point being that it's like there's no point at, at which going to Syracuse until he until he had to do it, I guess, for his last year. But, like, if that was the choice you had before, like, well, I could go to Syracuse and maybe start, or I know I'm the backup for Ohio State for a team that's going to win 11 games at worst and be in national championship contention till the final weekend of the year. Like, like that's always the better thing uh, to a certain point of your career. To a certain point where, like the the math just starts to catch up to you, and you have to do what you can to maximize your your final year. And I don't, you know, Devin Brown, I don't think is necessarily in that position yet. I know he loves being at Ohio State. I know that he feels like he gave a strong competition last year. Was right there. Didn't get to ever really showcase everything he could do. Was building some momentum with that goal line package, and then it got away, and because of injury. Cotton Bowl happens because of injury. Uh, that's another thing he has to do is is prove how healthy he is. And maybe he'll get a chance to do that this spring. But I just think if you come out of the spring and you feel like you're the clear number two, that neither of these true freshmen has passed you yet, I think that's a tough thing to bail out of because you're just in a situation where freak things happen, man. And... Uh, Will Howard isn't going anywhere voluntarily, but if something involuntarily happens, then now you're the guy again, and now you do get your shot. It's the other it's the other incentive to stick around and keep fighting. It's to keep putting yourself in a position to, to maybe have that. It's I'm trying to think of the Ohio State player who this would maybe... I mean, he's the one that it most... You know, he stuck around, and, and when things, circumstances lined up, now he got to start the Cotton Bowl. Like, that's the mm-hmm. one of recent vintage where, the, where it paid off the most. But... I, it, Maybe somebody else would have a good example going back, you know, eight, ten, twelve I mean, years. Yeah, the biggest payoff is probably the fact that Cardell Jones stuck around and Braxton Miller getting hurt, and then JT Baird as but, a second year guy got gets hurt, and so he gets to play in an actual championship game. But like, even but that, the transfer like, portal now, it's it's hard to compare because now the transfer yeah. portal. And back in the day, it was you had to make these decisions with like two years in mind. Right. You had to go sit right. out and all these things. And now it's just like, bang, I'm gone. And and right. um, so. And you could play immediately somewhere. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to make those comparisons into the past. I just I understand what you're saying. And if you have that inclination, if you feel like you usually know. And I think the other thing that could happen is they respect Devin Brown a lot there. I mean, there's people in that mm-hmm. room, there are people in that in that building that thought he should have been the starter last year. Like there was real yep. debate about it. Brian Day was upfront about that. It wasn't that there was like internal strife about it. it just there was a differing of opinion of which quarterback would fit better. There's people in that place that are big champions of Devin Brown. And I think they respect him enough, too, that if they got the end of the spring and it just felt like one of these guys 
Noland or Saiyan showed up and was just so it that they would have to say to him, like, listen, you might not... If, if they told him, it looks like you're going to be third just mm-hmm. as a courtesy. But I think if they legitimately think he's their number two guy and it looks like his combination of experience and skills makes him the number two guy to start the season, I think they would fight to keep him. Because, what? again, anything could happen, and they saw what happened. Like They want to avoid, I keep saying they, it's really Ryan Day, but it's the whole, the whole organization, but really Ryan Day. Like The idea of going through another season with this much uneasiness about mm-hmm. your quarterback performance had to just be making him nauseous and that's why you go get will howard even if you believe in devin brown that's why you go get will howard and it's why you get julian saying no matter what that means for your relationship with aaron nolan because you never want to be in another position where you are that uneasy about your quarterback situation ever again this this Hold to on, me Andrew, kind before of you go i just want i just want to add just this quick thing because I, I think that's a, a good point um and i think we should touch on that after the break because that's a very valuable piece here I just think if you are there is value to being number two at Ohio State because yes, you are whatever away from being on the field, as Devin Brown learned, as Kyle McCord learned against Akron in twenty twenty one, right? As in all the way back. CJ Stroud learned in twenty twenty when Justin Fields got his rib cage crushed in in the in the sugar bowl. Like if Justin Fields doesn't come back, CJ Stroud is your starting quarterback in the most important game of the season that year. I just also know that Ohio State's quarterback situation has gotten to a point both in talent, development, and reputation that if you are number two at Ohio State, I think I would put the percentage as at least 60% of other teams, at least in the Big Ten, where you're number one, Andrew. Yeah, well, the the thing that I was going to say was, you know, you can draw the line from number two and say like, are, you know, are the freshmen kind of nipping at your heels? Is Keenholz right there in a competition for number two? And it goes back to the Keenholz competition or the Keenholz thing and the Brown thing that Nathan was kind of pointing out. Like, are you going to stick around or and be a backup? Or are you going to go somewhere? Because there's a difference between leaving to be a backup and leaving to be a starter, right? So like, there would have to be that kind of situation. But I also think it matters like how close you are, because we're talking about this framed in the backup role, like anything can happen. Well, what happens if you're really close to number one? You know, like what happens if you gave Will Howard a fight, like a true 12 round, like just all out slugfest in spring ball, and you think you can do something else in fall camp. And even if you know you don't, you can be right there to where it doesn't take Will Howard, you know, spraining his ankle against Wisconsin for you have to for you to get in that game, you know, like it, it doesn't take uh, something like that to happen. It could be, hey, it's seven to three against Iowa in the third quarter and the offense is playing terribly and they need a shakeup. And now they turn to Devin Brown. You know, it, it doesn't have to be something just kind of major happens like that. Like, I think if you can put yourself in a position to where you're close enough you just got to stay within striking distance. I think that that matters just as much as who is kind of behind him. Because if it's a clear number one and Will Howard's the guy and you can just tell all the reps went to him, they're telling you that he's the number one guy and there's no, you know, there's no real concern there. He's the number one guy going into fall camp. Then I think that matters just as much as whether you're the two, three or four, because then you kind of have this notion like, 
okay, the only way that I'm playing is if Will Howard either completely tanks or gets hurt. And, and that's the but way that's that... anyway. Right, but that's, that's what any, I'm saying. Like, like there's no you, scenario where the backup quarterback isn't on the field and it's not because something major happened, whether well, it's because he wasn't good enough and got pulled or because he got hurt. So, like, well, I guess I it, like, yeah. you're relying on a major thing to happen for you to get into the game while at other places. And I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I, I, I don't understand. Necessarily know how I fall in this argument. I just know that the idea of like, oh, you're number two, you should stick around because anything can happen. No, something major has to happen for you to go out there while at school X who might still be a playoff team who might, you know, still might be in that conversation. Well, you're just the guy without the, something major happening. The major, I guess is kind of the, the, the point of emphasis and like the point of debate here for us, because like the major thing could be like an injury or something like that, but it depends on how you view major as Ryan What's day and the offense think that there's a, another level that the offense can take to so they make a switch like do you think that that's a major thing do you think that that's like them saying let's see what yes. it takes like listen, let's see what yes. it looks like listen I if if, that, yeah. if will howard's the starting quarterback and devin brown is your backup quarterback and at some point will howard's no longer your starting quarterback and you go to devin brown i guarantee you 99.9 percent of the things we asked ryan day about after that game and of then course. on tuesday are going to be about the fact that he made the there is no minor event that happens where the number two quarterback is now the number one quarterback in my so like using the word major i just think maybe i'm getting too stuck on that word but that's not that's not important for it to be major or minor like that's a big deal regardless i guess i just don't understand if you think coming out of the spring if someone is either going to be the backup for ohio state which might be on its way to a national championship that they should bolt and go to like this imaginary playoff team that you think could be out there that doesn't have a quarterback that doesn't have quarterback set up and that you're going to take that job just in the preseason. Like, I don't know. I, I, think, I the yeah, math doesn't add I, up for that on me. I think you should, you can at least explore it. I mean, like the, the problem yeah, is there's only like, other options open. Yeah. The problem is there's only like one, there's the only two like real examples right now, or like Joe Burrow going to LSU, which I'm not sure if that LSU team in 2018 would have been a, in a 12 team playoff or not. I would have to go look that up. But then like Quinn Ewers, which was weird altogether. So we haven't like seen right a situation yet where it's just like normal for it to happen. But I, I don't but, know. But, but also Burrow was, he only had two years of eligibility remaining and, and mm-hmm. we thought they thought Haskins was not just going to be there probably for one more year. Their assumption was That's that maybe Haskins would be there for two years. So you're going to yeah. you're making a decision there that potentially blocks a guy out for multiple years. Not the mm-hmm. case for Devin Brown. He could come back in the following spring and still compete if he wants to. He um, and also he has three years of eligibility remaining. So it's including the one that's coming up, including the ones coming mm-hmm. up. So. Again, I just think it's it's this is a different set of circumstances, and I the, the the overriding point that I keep coming back to is the Joe Burrow thing was not Joe Burrow like reading the tea leaves. Like they had a conversation with him, and I mm-hmm. think if Ohio State has a conversation with Devin Brown and says, "Look, we're pretty sure you can kind of see what's happening in practice. We think Will Howard is going to be the starter on opening day. We, you know, he's he's just got more experience. We like how he fits this offense. He's." Basically, a more advanced version of what we think you were going to be, maybe someday. Mm-hmm. But we, you're my number two right now. If this is Ryan Day, he's like, you are my number two, and I think you are going to be the backup quarterback this season. 
I think there's a lot of incentive for for Devin Brown to stick around because the payoff of maybe getting to be Ohio State's quarterback for the next year uh, at some point, the starting quarterback, is better than the payoff of going to be random teams starting quarterback. I don't know, Syracuse, for example. wonder where you pulled that one out I, I was going to say, wonder where you pulled out that one from. I just, I think. Just name a random, just name a random. Yeah, just a hypothetical yeah. random. Who I don't, would even and I, that's again, me. I don't blame Tom Accord for what he did either, frankly. No, I, no, 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 I, no, no. I, I think that made sense yeah. all around. I, I am not saying you guys are wrong. I just am maybe, I'm looking at it from the other side of that coin of understanding that the goal is to get on the field as quickly as possible. And the, like the is whole, it? as a quarterback? Yeah, maybe. I would I would assume that that's the goal here. Then why did he come here in the first place? It, just because he came here to compete to compete in the best room in the country, to, according well, to him, okay. the best room in the I'm country. Saying. Like there's there's development. But that doesn't too. mean right. But it's not. Oh, I'm going to sit here and develop for five years and only stay here because it's the no, best room. Five years, still, like, I want to saying that. I'm right, but I'm saying that just because like you want to come develop in this room doesn't mean you still don't have the mindset of, like, I want to be the starting quarterback as soon as possible. I think both yeah, of no, those I, things can be true. He's competing to be the starting quarterback. He's been doing that since he got here, and he certainly did that the past year. Uh, that, that, he's not, yeah, he's not just biding his time. I'm just saying that there's a practical decision that would have to be made at the end of the spring. And I think that there is as much, if you know you're going to be number two, like what team out there that doesn't have a quarterback at the end of the spring, really, gets pushed into the playoff by adding Devin Brown. I another team who that. goes through another team who goes through the spring with the quarterback options they have and don't feel like they have a guy. And that's like always on the table is that somebody goes through the spring and doesn't think they have a guy and they maybe thought they were going to have a guy at the end of the spring. Yeah. I would need to look at like specific teams. I'm not sure if they have like a team. I I hear what you're saying Steven just like in a hypothetical. I, just, I mean Alabama brought a transfer yeah. quarterback in last year because they, Nick Saban still wasn't sure about his options. Well they also and brought eventually him in turned cuz Tommy Reese went and Tommy Reese took a quarterback with him. Okay, who they brought in is because of Tommy Reese. The right. fact that they brought one in is because they still weren't sure about sure. their who and the the decision to do it and the decision of who it was are two different conversations. But, but then it so goes like, that's not crazy but, that a team is going to get to the end of the spring and feel like we don't have an option and like this guy just hopped in the portal from school X. No, but I'm then just, it, I just go ahead. I was gonna say then it goes back to that that you're kind of in the same situation you would be at Ohio State though, right? Because like if Devin Brown were to transfer into kind of like a blender at, you know, for example, like an Alabama You'd type. You'd be school, there, Will Howard. Would you? Because like they Alabama had like Jalen Milrow, Tyler Buckner, and what was the other kid? Ty Simpson is that his name? Whatever the third they, guy. Is. This is, this is, I mean, it's not about Alabama. It's the no, fact that, that like if saying. somebody like, brings, it's the, it's not about the Alabama part. I brought them up as an example because you said what school would be in that situation. In Alabama was literally in that situation. Yeah. The point of the matter is, it won't be shocking if there is a school who gets to the end of the spring and feels like they looked at their options, they went through the spring and evaluated those options, and don't feel like any of those quarterbacks are it. So we're gonna go explore the transfer portal hey this guy from ohio state who might be number two in their hierarchy just hopped in the portal let's go grab that guy that's not off the table like who the school is right now yeah is irrelevant that's not for the, the point that i was making it's, it's more or less just like is the opportunity better at another school as compared to it would be at ohio state if you feel maybe. it is then maybe but that, that it wasn't an alabama point it was a then you're just in the same situation at school x Compared to as you would be at school, Ohio State. I don't agree with that. I mean, Will Howard's coming. They brought Will Howard here, and we all think he's going to be the starter because that's typically what happens when you bring in a transfer quarterback yeah. is you're bringing him in to be the starter. 
or something went drastically right or drastically wrong. That was long. Let's take a quick break right there, and then we're going to come back, because I thought Nathan said something. I touched on something else I wanted to hit on on this pod, so we'll take a quick break, and then we'll get into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Aggressive, ruthless Ryan Day. Get the text, 614-350-3315. All news, all analysis, all everything you could ever want regarding Ohio State football coverage and recruiting coverage and sometimes hoops coverage when the team is not losing three straight games in a row and then beating a Penn State game. Well, we include that every so often. Get the text, 614-350-3315. Two-week free trial, 399 after that. Nathan, Ryan Day's been, like, super aggressive, and you you mentioned this on the Monday pod, the fact that this is the most extreme version of that. And you said my point. I was going to ask that question, and you just said it. So I know you're here. I just want to expand on that a little bit more. I don't want to say the quarterback play was the number one problem because it's not true. But sometimes it was at least on the list of problems, and it was never really the solution. And that could not have been a place Ryan Day was comfortable with at all for a guy who came here to not only fix the quarterback play, but elevate it to the point that the standard is you're a first-round draft pick Heisman Trophy finalist level player. And that's not what worked out last year. And so as a result, there are three new people in this room, one left, and there's three other new people. Two are five-star freshmen who are among the four best quarterbacks in the recruiting class, and the other one's a fifth-year senior from Kansas State with a lot of experience. Those things, do you think those things are like related to each other? The fact that like this went so not the way I thought it was going to go last year that like I need to maximize the chances of it getting back to what I have set the standard to be here, even if that means bringing in five quarterbacks in the spring for 2024. Well, I don't think this was his plan the day of the Michigan game. At that point, you don't know the common court is leaving even. So mm-hmm. things have drastically changed from that Sunday mm-hmm. morning to to today on the, the 22nd of January as we're recording this, uh, or the 21st when, when Julian Sain commits. So really they've only added two because Nolan was coming anyway. Nolan was coming in as their guy yeah. in the 2024 class. And the circumstance under which they're adding Sain is unique because it's only happening because – Nick Saban leaves, and I think partially Bill O'Brien is coming here. There's some familiarity there. And but they could have said no. That's, a, I think, part of it. They, they could have well, been like, eh, we're not going right. to explore that. But my point being that I, I don't think they were – I think it was – they. you can explain to Aaron Nolan pretty easily that, listen, we didn't expect this to happen. We can't turn it down. We're sorry, but – this is how it's going to be. And I think he seems okay with that because, and I think it's, this is part of just the culture now, like every major program, like all, look at all these teams that keep winning national championships or getting to the game with a transfer quarterback. It's like, or winning Heisman trophies with transfer transfer quarterbacks. Like it's, this is just what it is. Now you almost assume that it's going to happen, frankly, for a lot of these guys like CJ Stroud is, and, and, and JJ McCarthy are like two of the exceptions in recent years among elite teams, right? So uh, I, I don't yeah. think anybody is that freaked out by the fact that, that he's coming in. And and the, so then the, the, the Howard thing is the one that's more interesting to me. And I think that was influenced by the way things went this year because when McCord leaves, even if you believe in Devin Brown, and even if you like the long-term potential of Lincoln Keenholz, 
because of Brown's still lack of experience and, frankly, his injury history now that's building a little bit, and Keenholz is vast in experience and in lack of background the way some of these other guys had as prospects. I don't think you wanted to go into next year, especially as you as you could start to forecast how much talent was going to be there otherwise. This wasn't going to be a rebuilding year by any stretch. You were going to have talent mm-hmm. to spread all over this team coming back. Even play, even guys, even when you're losing the best player in the country in Marvin Harrison Jr., you're still got a loaded wide receiver room. So you you had all this talent, and you could start to project that coming back. You didn't want to risk that with that that word I used before, that the unease about the quarterback situation where you're kind of going in squinting like, like, is this Devin Brown ready to be a power five starter and can go out and not just that, but like compete for the, for the national championship. And, and maybe he still can, but I think it's a matter of the certainty that you had on that day. So that's the one that I think is more, but that one I almost think isn't, it's the sign of his ruthlessness, the way that maybe bringing in Saiyan is. Saiyan is more mm-hmm. like, yeah, listen, we're just taking him. We know there's yeah. going to be repercussions. We can't worry about those repercussions. I kind of wrote about this for Saturday night after this, uh, sorry, Sunday night after that decision came in, was like, he's been pushed here a little bit, like just with results and frankly with the pressure that he's going to be under in the year ahead. You've got, um, you've got a situation where like, I don't think you can be a fan who both thinks Ryan Day has to be fired if they don't beat Michigan and or makes the final four of the playoffs and worry about the repercussions of picking up Julian Sayan. You can't be both of those things. You have to you can be one or the other. You can be like, oh, you know what? This is probably this is too much of a price to pay. We should keep the guy that we made the original commitment to, and we'll just roll with that, and the best results we get are worth it long term. Or you have to say, yeah, absolutely. We can't pass up another opportunity. We can't have risk having another year of underwhelming quarterback play by our standards, our insanely high standards. So we have to go get this guy. And sorry, Aaron Nolan, that's just the way it is. Those are really the only – you can't look at it in that other way because you've, you're, you're, your demand for 11-2 and two and losing on the road by six points to the, the eventual national champion is not good enough is why Julian Sands here. So just to give some context to that, I wrote about this for the site. Uh, bringing in two five-star quarterbacks is remarkably rare. Like just to give people some some heads up as to how rare this is. Um, for example, in this particular class, the only other program that had a five-star signee that brought in another quarterback was Nebraska. And they brought in a kid from Nebraska who's like a 300 overall player. Or no, excuse me, three-star player who's like number 500 overall. Um, that's happened twice since 2007. The uh, program has brought in two five-stars in the same class. Once was Ohio State in 2021. And do you want to count that? I don't know if you do. because I don't. I don't that, count There that. you go. Because Quinn old. Ewers reclassified. <laughs> so that was a unique situation. And the last time... Was in 2007, Florida signed John Brantley, who's a five star quarterback, and Cam Newton, who is a five star quarterback. Um, other names in that class, by the way, Jimmy Clausen, Ryan Mallett, Tyrod Taylor, Stephen Garcia. Great names to look through, just fun for 247. But yeah, so th- this is one of those things to, to further Nathan's point. This is not a, you know, this is not a situation where it's like, ah, you know, we just thought we could do it. It's like, no, like this, 
kind of fell in your lap in such a unique way that this is something that happens once every, I mean, once every lifespan for these kids, like historically, like we're talking about how, like when, when Steven and I do our recruiting pods and we talk about 2024 and 2025 kids, these are kids that were born in 2007. These are kids that were born in that time. So th- it is extremely rare for this to happen. They could have said no, though. Yes. And that's what makes this ruthless. They could have decided to do what the other side of this is and goes, you know what? We got four guys in this room. We got to manage this. It's, it's not worth the hassle that's clearly going to come with this because that's what happens when you've got a bunch of talented dudes in a room. There's going to be craziness that comes with it. We just got our room back to where we wanted it to be from a number standpoint, from a plan standpoint. We have a plan. We have a plan. We've got these guys. Our youngest guy is a five-star. We've got a guy who's like rapidly heading towards five-star status in 2025. And then like we're in the race for the number one quarterback in the 2026 class. We're good. We have a plan. They could have said no. Instead, the ruthless part came out, Nathan, and they threw a rock in that plan and said, you know what? This is the approach we have to have now. We're going to load up on talent everywhere, even quarterback, and we'll figure it out when we need to figure it out, even if that's a year-by-year basis. And I think that's fine. I, I've come around, Nathan, completely. We, we've had this conversation multiple times about like having a plan at quarterback for how you want to approach things. Whether it's, should they be having a quarterback in every single class, or should they do the every other year thing that we saw Clemson doing, and we saw Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley really does it, where it's the every other year thing. Or should they go every year? I think this is an extreme past the, I'm going to take one every year. This is the, I'm just going to go get a guy. If it's a guy that we think that has a lot of upside and can help us win, we can't be worried about what the the feelings part of this at all. And the plan doesn't exist. It's whatever is in the. It's. I don't want to say it's irresponsible because it's not. There is a. This is a completely responsible decision. You just brought in the number one quarterback in the country. But it is more of like, at some point, you can't be worried about what your room is going to look like in twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven or twenty twenty eight. You got to worry about what can you do in your room that maxim that you get the best out of whoever comes up and rises to the top and helps you win a national championship in 2024. And I think I love it. That's the point where I came to it, is that Ryan Day has gone full ruthless because of these decisions, both as a combination of what played out last year with the quarterback position, whether it was the play or Devin Brown's like inability to stay healthy and put him in a position where you're playing in the Cotton Bowl with a four-star top 200 recruit who got there in June who had no business being out there. The alternative is... Just go for it. Just load up. If there's a guy out there that we love, we're going to bring him in and we'll figure it out later on. But I guess I just, I don't feel like craziness has to ensue here. Like, I don't, I don't assume that's going to be the outcome of bringing in Julian Sand. It's at some point the years stop mattering a little bit. Like the, 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 the class year or whatever, like either you win the job or you don't. And mm-hmm. You know, all those things I was saying before about Devin Brown and what year, you know, the idea that it's starting to gauge whether going somewhere that you know you can start versus and where that is versus being the backup at Ohio State comes into it. Now, when you're a five-star guy, a lot of times maybe you're thinking you're three and done. 
and that might mm-hmm. accelerate the concept a little bit. But you know that I mean, Comic Ward stuck around for that third year to make sure and, and win the starting job and had to compete to win it and did. Yeah. And so, and he was a very highly ranked guy. So we're not talking about uh, like we don't have some examples of this. I just I don't know that. I don't know that it has to be like if you think that that is chaos. I think what Ryan Day is saying is, well, that's my kind of chaos because you know what isn't my kind of chaos? Mm-hmm. It's where you do the every other thing, every other thing, and you are wrong, or something happens with the guy yeah. that you thought was your big dude, and now you've got the leftover, and that's who you're turning to to bail you out when you mm-hmm. when you've otherwise you owe it to the rest of the roster too to have quarterback fixed because your other assistant coaches are going out by and large and getting Mm -hmm. it done at their positions. So by and large, I said not every single one, but you owe it to the rest of this. You owe it to the whole roster to, to make sure that you are uh, lining things up right at quarterback in, in, in a quarterback is special. So I don't really think you might be right that there's, and I initially thought that too, that like, Oh, this is, you know, do, does this, is this a problem in quarterback recruiting going forward? Because future people are, you know, that you're recruiting with are going to say, Oh, you really want to go to Ohio state? Well, go ask Aaron Nolan about that. Cause he was already at her, uh, Ohio state ready to go. And it committed, and was, yeah. you know, fully invested. And then they just decided at the last minute, they're going to take this guy who, who, who bolts from Alabama. And I'm sure somebody will try that. So it'll be up to each individual quarterback, how they read it. But also again, this is the norm now. It just seems like it. people are not that freaked out by the idea of transferring. It seems like almost natural to them at some level, and we can bemoan that, but uh, they don't seem that uh, concerned about it. It seems to be a very natural thing for them at this point. So if they're not worried about it, I guess we shouldn't be worried about it either until we see, until we see evidence that it becomes a problem, that it becomes something that is being used negatively against Ohio State. But... I think if you're still producing NFL quarterbacks, then yeah, that's what they're going to care about more than the other thing. For for the when I say chaos, I agree with you. There's good chaos and there's bad chaos. Bad chaos is you didn't do this and now you're stuck with like the wrong option. Good chaos. I'd rather have to figure out who two, three, and four are than who number one is because. At worst, what happens here is like Julian or Air comes up in here and they spend the next nine months lighting it up and they're lighting the world on fire. And they're so awesome that they're just your starter for the next three years. And then it's like, okay, well, now we just got to go find two, three and four. But that's fine. We'll we'll worry about that. But we have our starting quarterback for the next three years because that's what happened. That's actually what happened with Clemson is once they went to Trevor Lawrence, they did not have to worry about quarterback for three years. And so that's worst case scenario. And that's not even worst case scenario. That's just a scenario that's on the table. And I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. So that's what I mean by chaos. It can get chaotic because there's a scenario where somebody wins the job and the other four leave. But that's not that big of a deal in a world where people aren't scared of transferring. And it means you got the best option of those five. While also, these are still quarterbacks. So there is enough ego there that. Even in the recruiting space, if people try to negative recruit it, they're going to go – a recruit's going to take that as like, oh, you don't think I'm good enough to go in there and take the job from them? That doesn't apply to me because I'm going to go in there and win the job, Andrew. Yeah, that was kind of what I said earlier. Like with, with a lot of these guys, it's – you know they have this confidence and they have this kind of swagger about them that 
I can win this job. Like I'm better than him and I can do this. You know, I, I can beat out a Devin Brown. I can beat out Lincoln Keenholz. I can beat out Julian Sander, Aaron Nolan. Um, and to your point about the, you know, the transfer portal, like you said, just to echo it, this is the way transfer portal in college football happens in 2024, right? You know, go look at every other room in the country that are, you know, kind of quarterbacks and, you know, all right. I should say, go look at other programs in the country that are like Ohio State adjacent, and they've got some problems too. You know, like they, like Texas, I think is a great example. They had Quinn Ewers and they had Arch Manning, and Malik Murphy was really talented quarterback, highly rated, and he had to leave because you're not going to say no to Quinn Ewers and you're not going to say no to Arch Manning. You know, it, it's the same thing. And, if you can guarantee yourself the best of the best, because you're looking at a five star and think of like, you know, think of the opposite here. Let's say you bring in Aaron Noland and you told Julian saying no. What happens if Noland isn't what you thought he was going to be, or he needs more time? Maybe, you know, maybe he needs two years to get ready. Well, then you're in the same position that you're in now, or you were in a couple of weeks ago going into the 2025 season where you are looking for a Will Howard. You are looking for somebody to take that job because maybe Devin Brown and Lincoln Heenholds, one of them didn't stick around. Maybe both of them didn't stick around. Like you want to maximize your quarterback room to a level where you have the ability to look around and say, you know what? We're going to miss you, but best of luck moving forward and we'll be okay. Like that's the level you want to be at with your quarterback room and that there's no other position like it. Right. You know, there, there, there is no other position like it on the roster because Ohio State just brought in Quinshawn Judkins to play with Trevion Henderson. And we're not sitting here having this conversation about the running back room because you can play too. And we're not having this conversation about the receiver room and a year to year level like this because you bring in Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham. So we're like, oh God, you know, what does Jaden Ballard do? Or what did, you know, what do these guys do? It's because you can play more than one. It's only quarterback. And it's the most important position on the field. So if you have to be cutthroat about it, if you have to be aggressive about it, if you have to be ruthless about it, whatever word you want to use, you have to be that way because guess what? The same people who would say, ah, you know, maybe they should have just stuck with Aaron Nolan would be the same people in November who would be like, how come they didn't get more out of their quarterback play in this year or next year or whatever? We lost to Michigan again. What went wrong? Like that's the level that you got to be at, and this is just a cost of doing business. I should have said Malik Murphy earlier. That would have been another guy who could have helped me bring that point home about Devin Brown because they're in the same situation where both are entering year three, and both just felt like there's a guy ahead of me who's not going to not be ahead of me, and there's a guy behind me who might pass me at some point. So I'm going to move on here. But let's wrap with this with those two guys because the best case scenario for. The two freshmen is their Trevor Lawrence level, and this doesn't matter because they're just going to start as two freshmen. Well, the best case scenario for Will Howard is he's going to do what they brought him in here to do, and that's be their starting quarterback. So I don't want to use best and worst case scenario. I want to use realistic scenario with Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz. And Nathan, we'll start with you. Through these 15 practices, what do you think is a realistic scenario for in terms of how you think this is going to play out for those two and like where they maybe are at the beginning. Like we, the first thing I asked was, what do you think the order is going to be when we get in there for the first practice? Do you think that your 
that could change at some point through those 15 practices of like, if the order at the beginning is ABCD, could that change at all? If that question makes sense. Of course. I don't know what, I don't know where you're coming from with that. Like, yeah, it, it, it could change every yeah. day. Um, you know, I, I, you know, listen, this is, should be a pretty competitive room. Even the guys who are more refined and more experienced are probably going to could potentially look across and see guys who aren't ready yet to lead an offense, but have skills that surpass theirs. And all of that dynamic, I think really feeds into a potentially fun situation. I think you can say the same thing about cornerback this year for Ohio state too, where you've got two established starters. You've got two guys, with a little experience coming in behind and you've got two five star ish guys coming in behind them like it, it's that's I think going to be a fun dynamic in that room and I think the same thing might play out a little bit at quarterback because I don't know that you need to have any bad feelings between any of these guys I think it's a group to like every day um, who can outdo the other one who can push each other more who can have you know th- there's going to be a, 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 a currency to just saying being able to say that you had the best day of the quarterback room that day this might be more of a preseason conversation than spring to some extent because again I don't know it, how if it, it, the, the spring will be uber competitive at least through all five spots, but there's going to be some of that, and they've they've got to do some pressure testing at the same time that they are trying to catch Howard up to speed with with how things are going. So there's just a lot of dynamics that are playing out. It, it's not as easy as if well, it's not the same as like Burrow and and Haskins or even a, a year ago with Brown and McCord to some extent, where you've got guys who've been here, they have similar levels of experience within the system and it's a matter of which guy wins out in this case you've got a complete outsider coming in and a guy who is very steeped in the system you're going into his third year third spring so like that's a that's a dynamic that could create some some shifts and some 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 changes along the way and then on top of that the guys that you're bringing in as true freshmen might be the highest ceiling in terms of talent so yeah i think there's definitely a chance for there to be some 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 jostling here a little bit. And frankly, I think, I guess there's, there's a scenario where like Will Howard shows up and is just like, Oh, like you guys have no idea how bad, how much I was held back at Kansas state or whatever. And he just comes in and starts doing wondrous things. But I think there's that's, I don't know how likely that is. And I think it's also, Mm -hmm. if if the dynamic that unfolds actually is that Will Howard has to be really, really good in order to hold off everybody to win this job. And then Devin Brown has to be really, really good to hold on to that number two status. Like those things are the best case scenario for Ohio state. You want there probably to be some, some, some back and forth this spring because it doesn't necessarily mean that Howard or Brown isn't getting it done. It might mean that on any given day, because of just the mix of talent there is in this group that somebody else rises to the top. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I I think, the most realistic scenario for these two freshmen is you get a nice little taste of what they can do. And you think of it kind of like, you know, you make a big meal at a holiday and you look at it and you're like, man, give it 20 more minutes and that's going to be really good, but it needs 20 more minutes. You know, that type of thing where it's like, just let it cook a little bit more, but we like what we see and we like what we're, we like what's going on right here. Things are going to be really good in a little bit. And I think that that's probably the most realistic scenario 
with those guys where like Aaron Nolan and Julian Sane come in and you just see him throw and you're like, wow, like he's got to clean up this or he's got to clean up that. And when they do, or when they just kind of work with these guys a little bit longer, maybe know the offense a little bit better, man, this can be really special. I think that that's probably the most realistic scenario is that the flashes are there from these guys and you're like, wow, like we got something here. And especially as the season goes along, we might be having some some debate about like maybe this guy is a number three, maybe this guy can move up a little bit. And I think that that can be probably where you start. And I think that that's where I would say is the most likely option. The best case scenario is that one or both of these guys show up and like four or five practices in Ryan Day and the offensive staff have a meeting together and they look around and say like, we got to have a tough conversation with Devin Brown and Lincoln Heenholz because we cannot hold these guys back any longer. You know, we, and we might have to have a tough conversation with Will Howard down the line. Like that's the best case scenario is that it's evident from the get go that these guys can 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 sling it a little bit and these guys have it you know capital i it and and that's the best case scenario i think expecting a true freshman to come in even at a place like ohio state with great receivers and even as especially as talented as aaron nolan and julian sane are i think throwing all of that on them is a little bit premature is a little bit to use a word that we've talked about a lot today aggressive to just say like, oh, I think that's going to happen, that they're going to show up and immediately be the best quarterback. on. Th- that's too much. I, th- I think that's too much to give a-, a kid who is trying to figure out how to be a college student and live on their own and kind of live on their, like just all the life stuff that goes on with being a college student, being a college football player, being a significant weight room. Like there- there's just so much that goes on. I think you can't give them all of those expectations from the get-go, but I, I think that there's absolutely a scenario, Nathan's right, where you look at them a couple of practices in and you're like, okay, we we got to change what we're doing here with, with how we're divvying this up because these guys are earning it. There's nothing I agree with you. I think it's important that at least two of these guys are like so good that they that's why they can't figure out who they which one is better because they're both just playing at such a high level. And they said that at times last year, but we also got to see them play football. And I don't I don't feel like that was always the case where it was because both of them were so good that it was hard to make a decision. I think it was just that they were both equal and they couldn't decide that way. I think if that's how Day's talking about this quarterback battle, it needs to be because he feels like he's got two dudes and they're really going back and forth in like the highest possible way that you could possibly go back and forth because Last year wasn't cutting it, and that probably flashed itself in the 15th practices in the spring and in the 15th practices in fall camp. That'll wrap it up for this pod. Get the text 614-350-3315. It's going to be an interesting spring. You got five quarterbacks. You got to figure out how to get all of them reps. You got to figure out which one of those guys is the guy for you moving forward, and obviously there will be a lot of moving pieces. It'll be interesting to see what comes from this room of, once again, five quarterbacks in a college football room who are all scholarship players three of which were top 50 recruits and two of those three were five-star recruits in their own respective recruiting classes get the text 614-350-3315 we'll continue to have these conversations all season long until ryan day picks a quarterback at some point so for nathan baird and for andrew gillis i'm steven means and that was buckeye talk